The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at newbalance.com. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. What a play! Can you believe this? No, I can't. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. Off to the races, and he stays on his feet. This is going to go the distance. Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, and Heath. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to our Wednesday edition of Fantasy Football Today. Kind of weird. We don't have a game to prepare for this weekend, but we do have uh, plenty of fantasy to talk about, as always. And I'll update you on next week's schedule, which will have five episodes. Pretty exciting week for Fantasy Football Today. Uh, Hello, Jamie. Hello, Heath. Good morning, Jamie. What's going on? I'm just excited for uh, what what you'll choose for Game of the Week next week. It's going to be a tough tough call. (laughs) It's not what, it's how. How are we going to do it? You know, what what could we possibly do to throw Dave off his tracks a little bit? Heath, what's going on? Just happy to be here. Looking forward to discussing all the lessons that we learned in 2023. It's my favorite episode of January. I uh, I spent a lot of time thinking about it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the lessons learned. You can't you you can't just go through everything that fantasy managers got wrong and say, oh, there's a lesson to be learned there. A lot of it is just, I don't know if I want to use the word random, but completely unpredictable and not necessarily repeatable. But there are lessons to be learned. Maybe there's a lesson to be learned about Arthur Smith. He's back in the news. He's the offensive coordinator for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yes, uh, it was kind of crazy, right? With yes. all the uh, offensive coordinator news. <clears throat> yes, it was. So let's get to it. All right, which was which was the biggest one? So that you're talking Pittsburgh hiring Arthur Smith, Ben Johnson staying in Detroit, Bobby Slowick staying in Houston. Um, Panthers are hiring an offensive coordinator, Brad Idzik, but Dave Canales is going to call the plays. Idzik was the wide receivers coach for the Buccaneers. And Pete Carmichael, who was the Saints offensive coordinator for the last 15 years, is now joining the Broncos staff. I I don't know if it's officially going to be offensive coordinator or not, but I think the first three are really the ones we're going to focus on. Uh, Pittsburgh hired Arthur Smith. And Bobby Slowick to the tech back to the Texans and Ben Johnson staying with the Lions. Jamie, what's the biggest one here? Ben Johnson to the Lions for me. I mean, just the fact that he was considered to be one of the most sought after head coaching candidates, uh, basically for for a year plus. And you know, you, you had the report, our Josina Anderson, CBS Sports Josina Anderson, um, in the middle of the year, I think it was suggesting that he was going to ask for a, a pretty hefty salary. Uh, I think it was $15 million was the report. And this could kind of explain why maybe he's not getting the job that he wanted or 
jobs that he wanted, um, that he was asking for too much money. But um, look, he's going to, <clears throat> assuming that the Lions don't fall on their face and have a terrible uh, season, he's going to have the opportunity to get a great job again next year. You know, there, there's plenty of, you know, paths to jobs that you could see unfolding. You know, Dallas specifically would be one, um, you know, uh, that if if things go bad, uh, Mike McCarthy's on the final year of his deal. Um, Mike Tomlin's on the final year of his deal, you know, so two prominent, you know, jobs that, that could come available. And, and obviously there'll be a lot more firing. So he's young enough. He's got a, a, a good start on his resume that he'll get hired no matter what opportunities he's looking for. Just maybe have to maybe lower his price tag a little bit. So, you know, him going back to Detroit, um, for me, I, I thought it was Washington all along. And so losing the uh, the opportunity for, you know, the upgrades that we were hoping for in Washington with a new quarterback coming in, most likely. Uh, but staying in Detroit, you know, just keeps those guys um, on, on a pretty high level that we love for the Lions. We don't necessarily lose. Uh, it, it's not OK. It's not going to be Ben Johnson. If you were a, a commander's, you know, dynasty stakeholder. If you had someone on the commanders, you were hoping probably for Ben Johnson. But hey, look, we're going to get a new quarterback, right? That's where it starts. So they could still, you know, they could still upgrade. Um, right. But, uh, you know, Aaron Glenn, for example, the, the defense coordinator for the Lions is, is still a, a possibility. Dan Quinn, Mike Vrabel, you know, these guys are, are still out there. Obviously, Bill Belichick. Um, I, I was hoping to see, you know, a, a young offensive mind on the on the on the cusp of turning that team around, and it still could happen, like still you said. Could, but right. you know, it just, it just feels a little deflating. You know, I, I, I'm I'm sure our, our buddy Zach Brook, who's a Commanders fan, is probably disappointed as well. Now, 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 is Ben Johnson like? Did he lock back in, or could he change his mind in like I don't know, ten days, eleven days, twelve days, if somebody retired? He could probably change his mind, right? <laughs> okay. Just hypothet- hypothetically, if somebody like <laughs> Andy Reed. a week from this coming Monday decided that they were going to retire. <laughs> um, no, I, that was the thing that I thought was like. Wouldn't just they just start- promote Spags? I don't know. Maybe. Um, I don't know if Spags wants to be a head coach. Like He doesn't ever even seem to interview for those jobs. But yeah. I, I, th- I think, and I tweeted about this yesterday, but Jamie referenced it. Like, it's be great to have a rookie quarterback. Um, and they have a lot of salary cap room there in Washington. But, I mean, there's a pretty decent chance that you've got the chance to go coach either Josh Allen or Jalen Hurts next year, right? I mean, Jamie mentioned Dallas, mm-hmm. but one one of those two guys, if they lose in the first round, probably are looking for a new coach. Yeah, maybe Daniel Jones, too. You never know. I mean, that'd be a dream scenario for sure. You could go somewhere with Daniel Jones, maybe. <laughs> uh, right. And uh, all right. So that so we love continuity is great. We know what to expect from the Lions. Good things. Uh, but Arthur Smith going to the Steelers. More good things. Is that sarcasm? Um, I mean, I think it's probably good things for the running backs. Yeah. Or how about this? Here are where the, the last five Arthur Smith seasons as two as offensive coordinator for the Titans, three as head coach for the Falcons. Here's where those teams have ranked in tight end target rate. Eighth, fourth, third, fifth, first. They have been top five, four straight years, top eight, four, uh, five straight, all five seasons where he's been the head coach or yeah, the offensive coordinator. 25% of one of those little apple pies that comes in the in the plastic wrappers <laughs> is not the same as 25% of a full regular apple pie. But it's and based on what we end. just saw, so uh, Darnell Washington's going to be in a great spot. <laughs> 
Well, yeah, I mean, it, look, Pitts, it was Pitts the last three years, but it, before that it was like John U. Smith, Delaney Walker, and Anthony Ferkser combining in one year. And then the, in 2019 it was just uh, Smith and Ferkser. But, um, yeah, they, th- they throw to the tight ends in that offense. But, uh, but I mean, look, people don't like Arthur Smith, you know, whatever. I know the fantasy community uh, didn't like him, but he's done some pretty good things as an offensive coordinator. I mean, there's a reason why he got hired as a head coach. He's got good running schemes. So what do we think for Najee Harris and Jalen Warren, Jamie? I mean, it's good for them. You know, it's, we're, we're still in the same situation of, you know, can you really rely on either one to be better than the other from how their skill sets are different? You know, last year we saw Najee was very touchdown dependent and he you know scored a lot at the end of the season. Um, Jalen Warren started to take on a bigger role in the passing game, which is what we were kind of hoping for all year. They really didn't do a lot um, of significant production individually. You know, uh, Warren was outscoring Najee in the beginning part of the year with Kenny Pickett. And so we'll see how things go with Pickett back at at the quarterback. If, in fact, he is the job, the uh, ownership there certainly was not very fond of or didn't wasn't very uh didn't give a resounding vote of confidence to, to Kenny Pickett, you know, understandably so. So I, I think we got to see if there is a potential quarterback change or somebody brought in to compete with Pickett. It sounds like he's still going to be the guy there. So that's really the the thing that holds this offense back. But in terms of the running backs, I think it's a, it's a positive. So, you know, Najee's not going – I don't think either guy's getting drafted as a starter. But if you do go zero RB or hero RB, this is your first or second running back, either of the two, um, you, you should get good production out of it. I, I would expect the same kind of – Split where Warren is getting the uh, excuse me, Najee's getting the majority of carries. Warren's getting the work in the passing game. Najee has more touchdown potential, and unless one of them is injured, you're going to have probably a frustrating decision on a week to week basis. Heath, are we just more or less out on Deontay and Pickens? You know, when do we when do they come into the equation? Yeah, I mean, hopefully Deontay goes and finds a new team, but that would be the the only way that I'd be in on either one of those guys. They're going to be. I would guess round seven or later. I would I would prefer Pickens because he's the type of guy who could succeed on lower volume. We've seen that on occasions recently. Um, but if they yuck, if they're both there, it's I'm not gonna be super interested in either one. Okay. You know, once upon a time AJ Brown had a great season. I think he only played ten games, something like that, in his second year in the league. But he Smith did a like, Smith did a great job with Tannehill. Can we say that? I mean, he kind of revived Ryan Tannehill. I don't know yeah. if it was him, but that happened under Arthur Smith's watch. But I, I you know, you got to wonder if is Tannehill, and 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 this is you know more of an indictment on on Pickett and probably Ritter, is Tannehill just a good enough quarterback that even in a I don't want to say crappy system, but just not the most you know um, dominant system from from a passing standpoint you know just good enough to run that offense whereas you know Pickett has he been held back by the system in Pittsburgh or has he not have the talent to get the job done well look Arthur Smith in his last five years he's had Ryan Tannehill twice Matt Ryan at the end of his career and Desmond Ritter slash Taylor Heineke as his quarterbacks this is where they've ranked in yards slash per Mario. Yeah, sorry. Um, Mariota, too. Uh, This is where they've ranked in yards per play in those five seasons, his teams. Fourth, fourth, 23rd, 16th, and 15th. That's two great seasons, one bad season, two average seasons. It's pretty good, I think, given the the quarterback situations there. 
anything else that you guys want to talk about? Um, do you think uh, Pete Carmichael going to Denver matters? I mean, it's, you know, linking him back I'd up. Be, I'd, be, I'd be really, really just sick and concerned if I was a Broncos fan. Not because well, of Pete, I mean, not because of Pete Carmichael, but just right. because it's like it's just bring in all the old Saints guys. We're going to do it like we did it a decade ago, right? And you know it it worked there, but it worked there because you had a Hall of Fame quarterback, and right. you know it it's a little different when you don't have that, as Bill Belichick found out when his Hall of Fame quarterback left him. Um, so that that's the biggest thing they have to address the the Jared Stidham situation now because if they go into the season with him as a starter, as as capable as they may feel him. To be, I don't think uh, we expect that to be a great passing situation if he's the guy. I think I saw some uh, some Bo Nix Broncos connections on Twitter the last couple of days too. So maybe maybe they're going to draft one. Stevie Nix. Yeah. Just say Kareem Hunt had sports hernia surgery. Charles Omenahu, a pass rusher for the Sa- for the Chiefs Saints for the Chiefs, he tore his ACL against the Ravens. He's out. The Chiefs have some injuries here. It's getting yeah. a little dicey, Heath. A lot of it's, injuries. It, it, it is. It is. They are uh, – 49ers are definitely the better team. <laughs> Thank, thankfully, the Chiefs have Patrick Mahomes. They are more talented, right? Like top to bottom, ta- more talented roster, the 49ers? Are, are you counting the quarterback? Yeah. No. Then why are they favored? Um, because they're – because I think the um, the difference – Are you saying that the, the 49ers are not more talented than the Chiefs? Not if you count Patrick Mahomes. I mean, Purdy had a better year than Mahomes. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, clear, clearly the quarterback favors. He did, but I mean, there's a lot of yeah. other spots that favor the 49ers. There are several spots. I, I said I think the 49ers are the better team, but yeah, but nobody knows if you're being serious right now. Like that's right. the problem. <laughs> I, I said the Ravens were the better team. I picked the Chiefs. I'm picking the Chiefs again, but yeah. I think top to bottom, just talent on the roster. I think the 49ers have more of it. Yeah, but quarterback and head coach favor the Chiefs, and that's the it's, big thing. it's so strange because like the like outside of quarterback, especially the 49ers offense is so much more talented than the Chiefs. And I think the Chiefs defense is a lot better than the 49ers. I don't know if I'd say a lot. It's better. Yeah. They're both struggling to stop the run. They're I would say the yeah. Chiefs are much better at stopping the pass. I mean, if the if if the Ravens had a smarter game plan, there's a good chance they win that game. I mean, they didn't run the ball. <laughs> what, what were they doing? Well, you mean with Lamar Jackson or with Gus Edwards and Justice Hill? The whole thing. The, the, yeah, I don't the, know. Not one running back had four carries. Their running backs stink. Well, they didn't have the ball. They they got very. I, what, I don't know. Twenty they lost minutes by seven. or something. They could have run the ball plenty of times. I don't think they wanted to run the ball. They well, but think about the game, right? They they were making a comeback in the second half, right? So yeah, they, you can still run. They should have the run the ball with Lamar more. Too. They absolutely should have run. Like Lamar needed more design runs. Um, all right. T.J. Hawkinson had surgery on his on his torn ACL. He also had MCL injury, so it was a significant knee injury. But that's a long time to wait for the surgery. So he had surgery in late January. Uh, we'll just we're not going to speculate on a time. I don't think he's going to be a top twelve tight end probably. Uh, you know, I think what would he'll help be, him. He'll be somebody that you draft like with Dallas Goddard, Ferguson, um, maybe Pitts if he falls, depending on how the the public feels about the new situation in Atlanta. Um, maybe yeah. Kate Otten if Mike Evans leaves. You know, one of those type of guys. What would help Hawkinson is if he starts the year on IR. Then you can just stash him in an IR spot and 
Maybe that would increase his draft value a little bit so you don't have to waste the bench spot. Or it could just be like a Noah Gray, uh, Hawkinson combo, you know, Chiefs tight end. (laughs) (laughs) All right, all right. Let's... uh, Let's uh, take a break here. We come back and we'll uh, we'll go through some of our lessons learned from 2023. And we have some of yours as well. Ask you on Twitter. So we'll see what you said. Lessons learned for 2023. We'll be right back on Fantasy Football today. We just saw a Las Vegas promo on you well, for the Super Bowl. You're going to Vegas, right, Heath? I am going to Vegas two days after the Super Bowl. How about that? Yeah. <laughs> I'm going the end of the month, too. There we go. You're going to? Yes, I'm actually speaking at a uh, economics class at UNLV. You know, they know you're not an economist, right? <laughs> they do. <laughs> they do. All right, that's pretty cool. Why are you doing that? Uh, well, I do it at Florida Atlantic University for their economics club. I explain what fantasy football is and just talk about the the job, and they seem to like it. And so uh, the professor at FAU that I'm friends with is friends with the professor at UNLV, and he has asked me to come out there and do the same thing. Hmm. So this whole time we've been in economics and I had no idea. Fantasy football. Apparently. I love it. Did you know that I majored in economics for three semesters, but it was too hard and I quit. So you majored in economics acting? No, theater. So that I theater. dropped economics for theater, theater as my second major. Yeah. I was well, like, I mean, it kind of works. You deal with numbers and you, you pretend to host, so you're good to go. <laughs> How about that? I'm acting every day. All right, what's coming up next week? By the way, we gotta we gotta you know uh, recognize our nomination from the FSWA. Please go go for it, please. Uh, the FSWA, the Fantasy Sports Writers Association, has uh, named us uh, CBS Sports Fantasy Football Today podcast as a finalist for best pod best fantasy podcast or best fantasy best fantasy football, football podcast. right? Yeah, football. Uh, best fantasy football podcast. It's a very tough category. There's a lot of amazing. Amazing nominees, uh, but just it's it's awesome to be recognized, and we appreciate it from the FSWA. I think it's uh, we've been we've been nominated multiple times. I don't know how many nominations we've had, but we have actually four nominations um, from CBS Sports. Um, our Fantasy Baseball Today and Five has been nominated for Best Video, right? If I'm not mistaken, Best Short Form Video, yeah. I think. Best Short Form Video. Um, so that's awesome. Uh, Scott White for Best baseball article and i was uh lucky enough to be nominated for best football article so um hopefully we get at least uh one i would like it to be one of the football awards no offense to the baseball guys but uh <laughs> be great if our podcast uh uh won and we appreciate everybody for watching as always and you don't have to vote so that's you know vote. Great. yes i don't have to tell you to go vote but congratulations to jamie though for once again being nominated as the best football oh, writer you. so that's awesome stuff and actually, best economist as well. He's one of the five finalists for that from the FSWA. Uh, next week, we have five episodes. Gear it up for the Super Bowl. Of course, we'll preview the game, but also we'll do a live mock draft. We're going to have a Beyond the Box score episode, so you don't have to be on that, guys. You're, you're, luck. you're in luck. Uh, Jacob and Dan will join me for that. Uh, we'll, have, we'll have a great week planned. And tomorrow, we'll talk about bounce-back candidates for 2024. Let's do some lessons learned. And I might be driving the ship here. I understand that. I gave you guys a little late notice on the topic. What? Oh, no. I've got several. Oh, good, 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 good. Well, there's only one that I'm super, super passionate about that I will definitely be taking into next next season. Good preseason performances. I don't want to say they mean nothing, but they might mean nothing. So just don't go crazy over good preseason performances. 
I went to that giant. Remember, I went to that Giants game week three against the Panthers. Every pass to Darren Waller, they looked amazing. I thought they were gonna have a really good offense. The Steelers were the the the, the darlings of the preseason. They finished twenty eighth in in scoring. Uh, I don't know if Jahan Dotson really falls into that. He didn't really have a great preseason or anything, but he had like one big play. Uh, but if you look good in the preseason, I don't care anymore. If you look bad in the preseason, okay, that's a problem. But if you look good in the preseason, yeah, I, I'm sorry. It's I don't really care. So that's, this that's might, my This opinion. might turn into kind of a lessons confirmed because I think on this show last year, I said that if I had not watched the preseason, I would have been more accurate. Um, but there were some guys like Tank Dell was pretty awesome in the preseason, right? Yeah. Was Puka pretty good in the preseason? I don't think they, I don't think, I don't know. Or did they not play? Uh, but they never play I their think- starters. So he probably played, but they never played like Stafford. So I don't know. Yeah. Anybody else in the preseason that played? So DJ um, Moore and Khalil Herbert had big plays. I remember that. Um, but Justin Fields actually didn't look very good in the preseason. He was pretty inaccurate. Yeah. But so you, you say that though. Mm-hmm. And the, the two situations you bring up, in terms of the Giants and the Steelers, specifically the Giants, it was a new thing, right? They changed. They changed something. Yeah. And so, I think that's hard to avoid when you see something that's different. Like the Steelers were kind of the same group, right? Yeah. Well, the Giants were too. All they did was add Waller. Is that what you're it's talking about? It's a pretty about? big ad. <laughs> I mean, that's and 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 the game you're referencing. It was. Six of seven targets went to six of seven pass attempts went to Darren Waller on that drive. You know, so it was like how how do you not get somewhat excited by that? Now, granted, you 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 still understand the same pitfalls of what Darren Waller is, which played itself out that he's an injury prone player and and at, at an advanced age. But I think whenever there's something that's different, new coordinator, new quarterback, new running back, whatever the case may be, you kind of have to sort of let that take you somewhere, whether it's, you know, I'm, I'm buying in completely or I'm staying away, you know, especially if there's like, I'm trying to think like, uh, a guy, you know, TJ Hawkinson shows up in, in, in training camp. You still know that he's not a hundred percent, right. Or, or he, he, he probably won't play in the preseason. It's a bad example, but, um, let's just say he did. Would you be more encouraged by it? Well, a guy he's getting he, on the field is one thing I'm talking about. You know, I'm talking about Kenny Pickett doing absolutely nothing as a rookie to make us excited, and then all this Pickett buzz, and then the Steelers look good in the preseason. It just the point is, it's really not that hard for teams to look good in the preseason. You know, defenses are doing nothing schematically; they're very vanilla. And then, especially in training camp against your own, con- it's like, oh, Darren Waller's killing the Giants in training camp. You know, it's shouldn't really be. Yeah, no, I, I'm not. I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm just trying to play devil's advocate, I guess. So, um, like Ceedee Lamb had a monster training camp against his own defense. Ceedee Lamb. I have more on Ceedee Lamb later. Actually, I want to read my notes from what I wrote about Ceedee Lamb in my notes in 2023, and see if we can maybe apply it to 2024. But go on, guys, with some more lessons learned. Um. Another lesson confirmed that I'm going to continue to try to get better at is to stop drafting these running backs who we don't know if they're any good, but they're projected to get a bunch of touches because that doesn't last. Um, Especially those mid-round running backs that we're really only drafting them as starters because 
yeah, the situation looks like they're going to get the ball 15 to 20 times a game. So um, and then one that Sorry. I was – go ahead. I, I, no, I want to know who. Because I, I, Are you talking about Miles Sanders? Well, Miles Sanders is going to come around in the next one okay. also. But Miles Sanders didn't quite quit for fit that for me because I thought that he was really good. Right. Um, Damian Pierce. Did you think he was um, I, good? Because he's interesting. You know, what's, um, what's the lesson there? He had a good rookie season. He had an encouraging. I, I, so, like, Damian Pierce wasn't Mike Davis. Right? He wasn't Miles well, I Gaskin. think, like, you you can you can attach it to Damian Pierce. You could probably attach it to like Alexander Madison. Um, yeah, Madison. Alexander Madison's an even better one. Yeah, there. That's a great one. You know, guys that are getting opportunities, but are they are they good players? Tony Pollard. But then, what about this guy? This comment from Don Miles Sanders could have easily been Rashad White. Right, Rashad White is like the I, counter to that. Right. We we were not really certain at the beginning of like there was a lot of speculation about this guy is going to take Rashad White's job or this guy's going to take touches away from Rashad White yeah maybe I guess but yeah I agree with your I agree with your lesson completely Heath I wasn't trying to disagree I was just curious who you were specifically referencing there okay so Madison I think is a good example yeah all right what's your next one then that involves Sanders um maybe don't give teams quite so much credit on they paid this guy this a lot of money and so this is guaranteeing a big role miles sanders got the biggest running back contract and lost his job halfway through the year um Derek carr was and this like i said this is one i was right about one i was wrong about Derek carr was supposed to be a huge upgrade over andy dalton because they paid him 25 million dollars instead of one million dollars for andy dalton and for Chris Olave particularly, and Olave averaged fewer yards per reception, fewer yards per target, the same number of yards per game. Um, and Derek Carr wasn't really very good. Okay. Contracts. Bad contracts are given out all the time. Absolutely. Uh, Jamie, any lessons? Um, more more confirmed. Um, and it, it sort of worked out both ways for a couple of players, but... Um, Staying away from thirty-year-old receivers again, you know that was uh, I know a big theme for me, and it 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 hurt me with Keenan Allen, and Mike Evans, because I voted those guys and they were great. It helped in regards to Devonte Adams, DeAndre Hopkins, Cooper Cup, and Adam Thielen to an extent, but he was more of a later round pick. So if you want to throw him out of the the, the conversation, but um, I mean you 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 saw the fall offs for a lot of these guys, you know, and 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 Evans and Allen sort of debunked it a little bit, but. I mean, Adams struggled, and and again, there's not just the, the player specifically. Adams had a good season for who he is, but he just wasn't elite again. Um, Hopkins was was pretty bad, and Cooper Cup injured and played injured, uh, seemingly for a good portion of the season. So, you know, those those receivers that got older struggled. I struggle with this one though, because you there are it's not. Uh... It's not that easy. And and Tyreek Hill could be the number one pick for a lot of people next year, and he's going to be 30. So I don't know. I mean. What, yeah, he's not going to be the number one pick for me, partially because he's 30. Okay. You know, um, you know what I'm saying? Look, there, there, are, there are examples of, it, of this not working out, and there are examples of it working just fine. So I don't know what you do with that. Just downgrade them a little bit? Avoid them entirely? Well, I, th- th- there's never a player you're avoiding entirely when you're talking about great players. And so it's avoiding them at cost. And so that's the thing you have to deal with. Because, look, um, 
Evans fell to a point where he was definitely worth the draft pick. I just happened to not draft any of him. Keenan Allen, I think, was falling to a point where I, you know he ended up being a good value pick by by comparison to where he was. Devontae Adams, you had to draft in the first 15 picks. I would I was never drafting him if he if he was in that range. The only league I drafted him in, I think, was a two QB league because he fell and fell and fell because of all the quarterbacks. So, you know, any any of those type of players, I was out on because of how I felt about it. Do you think Adams had a bad year because he's getting old or because his the quarterback play just wasn't right for him? I think both. You know, look, part part of this situation, you know, and again, I talked about this prior to the season, you know, without going in, in, in depth on every single wide receiver, is some of it is out of their control. You know, and, and that's not just 30-year-old receivers. That's every receiver. You know, so you, you look at certain situations. I mean, look, Cooper Cup had good quarterback play. Matthew Stafford had a great season. But somebody else emerged, you know, and that that was part of his downfall. DeAndre Hopkins, I think, was a, was a fine player. I don't think he necessarily looked like he completely lost everything that he had. I mean, look at that game against Atlanta when he's yeah. making, you know, huge plays down the field once Will Levis took over. But it wasn't consistent because of maybe his age or just, you know, a combination of age and quarterback play. Okay. Uh, anything else? That's it. All right, I have more for that. Oh, I have I have another one. Yeah, go ahead. Well, it's more along the lines of what Heath was talking about, but with like Tony Pollard, like don't always fall for the great situation. Oh, that one drives me crazy. I can't. I, I almost wonder if the if the lesson learned with Tony Pollard is be careful of guys coming off major offseason surgery, and that's. That could be it. It could be it could be that, or it could be be careful projecting part-time running backs to be just as good when they're full-time running backs. That that's I think what more it, it feels like to me is that the Cowboys told us the year before when he was sharing with Ezekiel Elliott that we don't want to give him more. There's the reason why we're still using Ezekiel Elliott is because we don't want to give more to Tony Pollard. And then Tony Pollard steps into this great situation. And you wondered if they had somebody else who was just a little bit better in terms of the backups, would he have had this much of an opportunity? And I think that's kind of their lesson learned is that they're they're probably not going to have unless they go get a stud, uh, one specific guy. I think they want to have a, a a tandem backfield, and it worked out much better for them from a running game perspective two years ago. Uh, he did, however, Tony Pollard did, however, acknowledge about a little bit more than halfway through the season, I believe, that he was not a hundred percent and that he had not fully recovered. He was good enough to play, obviously, but he wasn't back to his old self. That was one of mine from last year. Was was just like try don't draft hurt players. Um, but I think like you could make the same. You could fit Kyle, if you wanted to shape the Tony Pollard one as in guys coming off major injuries. You could put Kyle Pitts in that same boat too. He, oh, I don't yeah. think Kyle Pitts was ever healthy this year. No, he acknowledged that actually as well. Uh, you're absolutely right, and that's why ultimately I switched Nico Collins ahead of Tank Dell. I don't know if you feel the same way. You know, you like, but it's a broken bone for Tank Dell, so it's not like an ACL or something like that. But that's what well, it was for Tony Pollard. Pollard. Yeah, right, exactly. So, I think P- Pollard's was a little bit different. I don't know, but Pollard's was a little bit different, and it was closer to a joint, right? And it was in January. You know, it was in the right. I think it's more that that when when the injury occurred and the fact that he had never been a full time guy before, having to take on that workload, just it's it it felt like. Just a perfect storm of everything falling apart for him. Okay, of what of what felt like just a dream situation. And I think that that, that continual don't don't draft guys who are hurt. Like Joe Joe Burrow would have fit into that one this year. So um, who like, are the guys that we would be avoiding now? 
in terms of draft guys that are hurt. Well, we don't know yet because there are going to be some preseason injuries, and I think that's when you dig well, in. Well, I, I think just in, in terms like Hawkinson is clearly one that you won't be drafting as a top-tier guy. I mean, look, we've gone through already top 12 tight end rankings, and he started out, I think, top five for Dave in, in, in mm-hmm. particular. At least that's the story on the site. And he, I think when we did the podcast about it, had him close to 10, you know, so dropped him significantly. Um, and I, I remember saying on the show, like, he's the one that will fall out of the top 12 for me if he's not ready. Um, as Heath just alluded to, you know, won't, won't draft him as a starter. So who are, who are some of the guys right now that I think you're looking at and saying, I'm not drafting? Like, I, to me, I'm not avoiding Tank Dell from his injury, but I certainly will not be drafting Nick Chubb. I can tell you that much, unless it's just a, at, at a, an unbelievable cost because right. his age and his injury are two huge red flags for me. I, I wonder if I'm going to be more cautious about Aaron Rodgers than everybody else's. Like, I know that he was oh, yeah, almost yeah. back. But it's still a, a major injury. That's, that's oh, and 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 the same with uh, Kirk Cousins. You know, I mean, you, yeah. you asked this question, Adam, about you know who's got the most potential of the three quarterbacks listed. I forget it was. Yeah, and um, it was I, Lawrence, I think Dave, Lawrence Watson Cousins. Right, and 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 Dave immediately said, "Is it is it a perfect scenario, perfect world, or whatever it was?" You know, he's he's completely healthy, but you can't say that with him. You know, so uh, those two guys are, you know, I think Cousins, if I'm not mistaken, is 36 or 37, maybe older. Um, Rodgers is, is 40, going to be 41, you know? So, um, yeah, th- those are two guys that as a second quarterback, sure. If you want to take a gamble on them to see what they have, but there's, there's no chance you'd want to take them as your number one guy, even in a 14 team league. That's easy to say. However, are you going to extend it to Jefferson and say, well, cousins could really struggle coming back from this injury. Maybe I shouldn't take Jefferson as the second wide. Maybe he should be the fourth wide receiver, which is a big yeah, deal. I mean, you say I the same thing about Garrett Wilson too. I mean, I, I think when you talk about, you know, quarterback injuries, how they relate to the receivers. It's, it's a huge part of this. And we saw it with both, um, uh, Jamar chase and, and T Higgins, you know, in terms of how that unfolded, you know, for those two guys in particular, Yeah. uh, the year before it was, it was Jalen Waddle and, and how he, you know, he was impacted by the loss of Tua Tonga Bailoa, not so much Tyree kill, but you know, still both those guys had down seasons. So yeah, you have to factor that in, I think is as, as well. And it might just be, okay. CD lamb's the easy choice as the number one guy. If you're talking about the top tier wide receivers, because he has no health concerns with his quarterback coming into the season. So I think it's it's that. And then it's when we get to July and August. If we get one little blurb about Darren Waller has tweaked his hamstring yeah. or Christian Watson has tweaked his hamstring or those guys who are constantly battling the soft tissue issues, I think you get a little more worried about them. Yeah. Well, those in particular, I think people are almost not completely out, certainly not on Watson, but. It's easy to fade Darren Waller at this point, but Waller is another guy. Like if you if you're taking two tight ends late, and Hawkinson falls to the the late category, like you should be able to get one full season out of those two guys. We should hope. Last word for me on Hawkinson. I just want to know what you guys think about this. He's he's not really an explosive guy, right? He's mostly doing it through volume. His so, knee exploded. <laughs> so um, I don't know that he needs to get back to. His old form, it won't be as good. I mean, yeah, but but as long as he's out there playing on a team that might lead the league in pass attempts, if Kirk Cousins is healthy, he could return very good value. He just has to catch. Basically, he just catches a lot of balls, right? I mean, it's not like he's, I don't know what, it, I didn't look at like his yak this year, but that's been his thing. He's not, doesn't make big plays. He just catches. Oh, that was the, the thing they said in Detroit was uh, he would basically catch the ball and fall down. Um 
yeah, I, I think his situation is fascinating because you have him coming back from an injury, Cousins coming back from an injury, hopefully better play from Jordan Addison. Oh, by the way, the best receiver in football. You know, so th- there, there's all those things working against him. And so I, I think, again, it, it volume will definitely help. He's on a team that's going to throw the ball a lot, like you said. But can he can he produce top five production in 2024? I'd be very surprised. Let's take another break here. I got a few more lessons learned, and then we'll go to the tweets and see what you learned in 2023. And we'll be right back on Fantasy Football today. All right, so I'm just going to rattle off a few that I wrote down. You let me know what you think. This one, I have a question mark. Rookie quarterbacks should be taken seriously? Uh, It was a very good year for rookie quarterbacks. Just two of them, basically. But Richardson was phenomenal. And then, obviously, Stroud, QB9 per game in both four and six point. But there were there have been a lot of misses at rookie quarterback between this class and between the Herbert Burrow class. Mostly misses. What do you think? I think I would still stick with the rookie quarterback should be taken seriously if they run and just view CJ Stroud as an outlier is where I'll be. But if if somebody else does that, like is was CJ Stroud the bigger surprise or Sam Laporta? Is it rookie QB should be taken seriously or rookie tight end should be taken seriously? I think I'm just I, – I think I'm done. I I think I'm pretty much done with the whole rookie tight end thing, that they can't be good. I feel like, you know, football has changed enough. I'm I'm fine with it. They're, you know, I, I don't think they they're, – they're probably not going to catch 10 touchdowns. I, I've got another one. They're good. Yeah, what? what From this doing? rookie class, stop discounting star-wide receivers because they're too small. Okay. That's like a three or four year run we're on now with with guys who are too light or or too small and they've just been really really good. Yeah. Um, all right. How about this one? I mean, the rookie the rookie quarter. This is going to be a fascinating class. Yeah. You know? So, I mean, clearly there's going to be some buzz about if he let, let's assume it's Washington. Caleb Williams, you know, goes to the Commanders or somebody moves up to one. The Bears, you know, decide to take him and they trade Justin Fields. You know, so. He's going to get drafted close to being a number one fantasy quarterback, I would assume. You know, unless it's a a, a disastrous situation, you got to assume Jaden Daniels is going to be drafted close to being a number one quarterback again, unless it's a disastrous situation. Maybe Drake May, maybe Penix, maybe Bo Nix. You know, there could be you know a situation where you look at these guys as I'm taking them as a starter, but most likely a, a number two quarterback. But I mean, we were saying this last year about Richardson that you can draft him as a starter. You know, I think he was. Somewhere near the top 12 for all three of us, um, if not in the top 12. And, and I know I think Ethan and I were probably the, the – I don't, I don't want to speak for Dave, but I think you and I were probably the ones that were saying draft him and just take a backup and see what happens because there's so much upside based on his rushing potential. Um, and clearly it didn't, it didn't manifest itself that way because of the injury, but he was showing flashes of just being an absolute superstar. And I think that's your point, Adam. Um, but – Clearly, you know, if, if if you're saying this, rookie quarterbacks are good. The guy who was drafted first was awful. Yeah, but he was our least favorite. And by the by way, far. When, when Jamie said all three of us about Anthony Richardson being ranked high, he meant Dave, not me. <laughs> <laughs> um, as I don't even have rankings, but everybody knows. But, but I think I'll probably, like, to, to this conversation, I'm probably, we'll see landing spot and everything, but I, my expectation is I'm going to rank Jaden Daniels the highest of this class in redraft and Caleb Williams, the highest in Dynasty. You know, it's funny that, uh, I don't know if we want to get into this now. But, but like Daniel, someone, Daniels may not have a starting job right away. You know, like he may go to a right. situation where that would That would influence him. him. 
Yeah, he's older. He's he's twenty three. Um, he you know he didn't have the uh, he didn't have a great career. I guess there were some bumps in the road for Jaden Daniels, but a huge final season at LSU. Well, let's get into that another time. Um, yeah, and here's another lesson learned, a lesson confirmed, I guess. We can't completely dismiss wide receivers with, quote, bad quarterbacks. And I think of Amari Cooper with Jacoby Brissett two years ago and, of course, Mike Evans this year. I think I even said Mike Evans could end up being this year's Amari Cooper, and I didn't draft him in a single league because I just didn't buy it. Uh, but, yeah, if you have a late-round pick of, a, of an established wide, or mid-round pick of an established wide receiver and you, you hate the quarterback, hey, it might not be as bad as we think it's going to be. But – we just got through talking about the older guys that struggled with bad quarterbacks, right? Devontae Adams had bad quarterback play. He struggled. DeAndre Hopkins, bad quarterback play. He struggled, right? So Yeah. Adams was still had a good year. I mean, he wasn't he Yeah, wasn't he was worth he was draft he was solid. But no, again, I'm talking about, you know, seventh, eighth round pick kind of guy. Like where Cooper and and uh Evans were the last couple of years. Okay, so who else falls in that category? DK well, Metcalf? I mean, you consider him having bad quarterback play? Well, he won't go that late, though. But no. That's what I'm saying. Like, uh, but two years ago, I think we thought he was going to have bad quarterback play. And Gino we absolutely was really did. good. Well, let's see. I guess I could take a look at a mock draft here that we just did. And the receivers. I'm just trying to get an idea of like who you're, who you're referring to. Well, Terry McLaurin. I think he could fall into that range this year. Um, for the seventh year in a row? No, he's usually like a round five pick. Let me see where he went. He went in round. He went in the middle of round six in our draft. Uh, anyone else? Let's see. Hopkins. Um, Deontay Johnson. Yeah, like it could be could be Johnson or Pickens. They could be outperform that. All right, great, good but stuff. Cooper wasn't expected to have bad quarterback play this year, though. No, no, I mean two years ago with Brissett. He was actually very good with Brissett. He was terrible at the end of the year with with Watson, but he was very good with Brissett. Um, and then let us let me talk about CeeDee Lamb. I want to read what I wrote about Lamb because I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, going into the year, we felt like CeeDee Lamb was super safe, deserved to be maybe a late first-round pick, early second-round pick, but didn't really have wide receiver one upside, overall wide receiver one upside. Uh, what I wrote was, Lamb was the number six wide receiver overall and number eight per game with Dak Prescott missing five games and Dak not having anywhere near his best season. Compared to the other elite wide receivers, Dallas threw the ball a lot less and didn't have a very good season passing the football. This is from 2022. This is going into 23. If Dak has a better season, Lamb could be amazing. Uh, Dallas has been a top three offense two straight seasons, but in very different ways is what I also put. So I do find that, by the way, if you look at some of the streaks that Stefan Diggs has had, um, even Travis Kelsey this year, it often coincides with how their quarterbacks are doing. CeeDee Lamb, the same exact thing. Um, so maybe there's a wide receiver that could actually get better quarterback play. I don't know if Jared Goff has another level to reach. Probably, I, I don't know. But maybe St. Brown could be a wide receiver one overall. You know what I'm saying here? It's like, here's this wide receiver that we already know is very good. But but if his quarterback has a huge year, then you could be talking about, even if you take him 15th overall, you could be talking about one of the best picks in fantasy. That's what Lamb ended up being. We all had Lamb ranked. I just looked at our magazine. So we all had Lamb ranked sixth across the board. Last year. Yes, at wide receiver. Right. So you know what I'm saying here? It basically, it can. I think you look at those receivers and say, can the quarterback... 
get better, take a big step up. And for Dak, maybe it should have been a little easier to see. I think we felt like they wouldn't be so pass heavy, um, that they wouldn't throw the ball as well. Oh, I mean, McCar- McCarthy said that. McCarthy said yeah. that, and he qualified this. You know, I, I think we said this enough that um, I know when I came back from the owners' meetings, you know, he was basically like backtracking off of what he said. He was like, "You guys took me a little too literally." Uh, his his criticisms of Kellen Moore of wanting to light up the scoreboard every week, and they wanted to be more balanced. But I, I think the thing that um, uh, came out of it was, you know, he had said, you know, we're, we're we're still going to throw enough and and the, the passing game will be a little bit more of an extension of the run game and just of how we operate. But, you know, I, I think McCarthy uh, was good for Dak. You know, the system was good for Dak. And C.D. Lamb certainly took the step forward that we were hoping we would get from him. Um, who else can do that? I'm, I'm going to throw a name out there. <clears throat> I'm going to ask you, what about Stefan Diggs? Because let me at thirty. Yeah. Are, are you saying no? Especially since his, like I'm saying no, also. But yes. it's the thirty and his downfall coincided with the 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 new offensive coordinator, right? Yes. To me, Diggs feels more like Mike Evans, Keenan Allen, as opposed to C.D. Lamb, like you know, older receiver who can still be very productive. Garrett Wilson would be the CD Lamb, right? Uh, yeah. Except it's much better quarterback play. The offense is much better than it's ever been, and he's just a super duper star. Yeah, except I think people are already counting on that. Um, I just say we're well, uh, gonna count on that with CD Lamb, though. No, that's I, that's what I think was missed is that people counted out Dak. You know, if you think Dak, well, we, I mean, we we just said that Lamb was a late first round pick. And I just told you we all had him rank six. It's not like we weren't expecting CD land to be great. No, I know, but, but we didn't expect Dak to be great. And we didn't, we didn't think lamb had as much upside as he did because we didn't expect Dak Prescott to have the season that he had. Well, I, I don't think anybody, cause we would have ranked it differently had the expectations that CD lamb would be the best receiver in fantasy, but I don't think anybody has that expectations for Garrett Wilson. I do think that he's going to be ranked in a similar range. He's going to be drafted in a similar range. We've already seen that in a couple of drafts that we've done already. And part of that is because we're expecting better quarterback plays, as Heath just said. So does Aaron Rodgers get to the level of Dak? No. But does Aaron Rodgers have to do that for Garrett Wilson to do that? No. Also. Yeah. I guess the parallel I would make is this. Stefan Diggs' struggles last year. I don't have forget the playoff games. I don't have those stats included here. Last eight games of the season is when, you know, he really, he was just bad. I mean, you could maybe back it up a few games before that, but the last eight games of the season, Josh Allen was on pace for 4,000 passing yards and 23 passing touchdowns. I mean, that's really low. And 19 rushing touchdowns. So what I'm saying, and that's also what happened at the end of 2021 for Diggs. So that's that's what I'm saying. If Josh Allen gets back to being like a 4,800 passing yard type of player, which we've seen, and 30-plus passing touchdowns, then maybe Diggs has more upside than people would think. I, I think I think you're right. He does have more upside than probably we're going to give him credit for because you're going to – and Heath just laid it out for you. The way that the season finished, the change in coordinator, the fact that he's going to be 30, uh, and, and I'll throw in just, you know – maybe better complimentary play around him because I do think that Dalton Kincaid is better than anything that he's played with 
in terms of what his potential could be. And maybe Khalil Shakir as well, just because he's a different number two receiver than what Gabe Davis has been. They're going to replace Gabe Davis in some capacity. They're not just going to go with the same status quo. Could be in the draft, could be free agency, could be whatever. Um, And so I think Diggs is one of those older receivers that you'll hope for a bounce back as opposed to expecting him to be the same type of player. All right. By the way, we have an episode of FFT in five that we're going to record after this where we'll talk about lessons learned, but I'll try to give some different ones that we didn't discuss on today's show. Here's what the people are saying on Twitter, Heath Cummings. Vincenzo says, two lessons. Be patient with rookies. When the talent is there, the usage will eventually come. And number two, pay very, very close attention to preseason hype. The Rams talked up Puka Nakua all preseason, and now we know why. And this, I I think, like the fact that two of yours kind of seemed to contradict each other and this one kind of contradicts with our first one about the preseason um, does illustrate a point that like you can't learn a lesson in everything, especially not in every player. If there's, there's six wide receivers that are bad with bad quarterbacks and six wide receivers that are good with bad quarterbacks, we can't learn both lessons. Uh, Maybe it's just don't take, so I think maybe the point with the preseason is like we were saying, don't pay too much attention to it. Um, but you can't completely ignore it either because there are things like Puka Nakua that happen. Um, the other one though is is a much better one. Um, you should be very very patient with early round picks as rookies. If you thought a guy was a stud coming in and he struggles early in the year, stay patient. Okay. I do think I think it would be interesting to see what would have happened with Jameer Gibbs if David Montgomery had not gotten hurt, right? Because he was a huge bust at the beginning of the season. And what would have happened with Jonathan Taylor as a rookie if Marlon Mack didn't get hurt in week one? Um, because remember the Javante Williams year where he never took over. But that's the, that's the reason you have to be patient because they might get an opportunity. Oh, for sure, be patient. I'm just, I would love to know what would have happened if... Remember you guys said like, oh, you can't you can't put that back in the box after Gibbs just went off in Montgomery's absence. Uh, I just wonder what would have happened. Yeah, but you also, I mean, you know, Dan Campbell was saying after the first game when he had all those broken tackles that we have to get him more work. Like, I, I think by the end of the season, the type of production that you were getting, you probably would have gotten something close to that. It, it just would have maybe taken a little bit longer. All right, from Jaquan. Uh, lesson learned. Rookie running backs don't always eat into an established running back's workload. Best example is Tank Bigsby. Um, also Charbonnet. And even Gibbs was not getting much run early on. Yeah. Does it matter? I think what matters is how good is the established running back. So you 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 uh, were, were very much on this one in terms of Ken Walker and Charbonnet. You know, you, you were still banging the drum for Walker saying... He's talented, the history of Pete Carroll, not necessarily using a second guy. And you didn't think that it was going to be a huge impact on Walker. And it obviously was an impact, but still Walker was the guy for the majority of the time he was healthy. Um, You know, some passing down situations, some, you know, two-minute drills, whatever you want to say. Uh, Obvious passing downs, you know, when they were chasing points, Charbonnet was on the field a lot, but, but Walker was still getting the majority of production. Bigsby is another good example. But then you also have the flip side of that, you know, where Tajay Sharp was, you know, cutting into Derrick Henry enough that when they were behind, when the score wasn't in their favor, certainly at the end of the season, we saw a little bit more of it. You know, Sharp was 
enough of a, a thorn in Henry's production. He had a great year despite being, you know, his age and, and, and all of his workload that that impacted him a little bit. So it's probably case by case. And, and like you said, it's, you know, how good is the established running back? Um, in the case of the Dolphins, for example, Raheem Mostert had a great season. So did Devon Achan, you know, so um, it, it, it probably, and, and the same thing with the, with the Lions situation, but like Heath brought up Rashad White, you know, there was Sean Tucker and I think there was another guy, you know, maybe Keyshawn Vaughn uh, was, was the, another guy that you were referring to Heath of he's going to take his job or this guy's going to take his job. Clearly those guys weren't very impactful. They weren't, you know, Tucker was an undrafted rookie free agent. So not the same comparison, but um, yeah, Tank Bisbee just wasn't good. Yeah. I think, I thought there was legitimate reason to be concerned about ETN not having a goal line role. That seemed like it was going to happen, that he was going to lose. And I think he did early in the year. Bigsby just didn't really do enough. But does it have to be rookie running back? And I know that's what the the, the suggestion was here. Because, like, think about Kyron Williams. It was supposed to be Cam Akers' job, right? Akers finished last season strong, and Kyron Williams did nothing as a rookie. That's and That might be more of a Sean McVay lesson. But I do think, like, that... You, I, you, I wasn't even thinking about that connection, though, Adam. But, but like the Ken Walker, Zach Charbonnet, Travis Etienne, Tank Bigsby discussion, um, like you could be a completely opposite sides of those two things, which were kind of the same thing, right? What do you mean? It was a rookie running back who was supposed to have a role in the offense, and in one case, you thought that the 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 this established guy was going to hold on to it and in one case you thought the rookie was going to negatively impact the guy uh really i didn't same. really i didn't really think i i think i drafted etn more than any other player so i i didn't really think bigsby was going to have that big of a role but i did i did have concerns about the goal line i still thought that etn would be good enough in the third round even if he lost goal line touches to come through but i wasn't those two situations like a day two or a day three running back doesn't really scare me. Obviously, second round is a little scary. Anything after that, and that's what that's what Charbonnet was. Uh, Bigsby was round three, right? In the NFL draft? Bigsby was round three. Yeah. I, I mean, so. Charbonnet was, I think by most accounts, and Heath, you probably have a better recollection of this, the third running back in a lot of people's draft boards, fantasy yeah. draft boards. You know, it was clearly the top two were established, especially after they were drafted. And then it was, is it Charbonnet? And I think maybe HN was the next one, you know, just based on, again, going to a team with older running backs, um, you know, four through seven, probably, you know, could have been Sharp, could have been um, Bigsby. Uh, there was some Kendra Miller love, too. Oh, yeah, Kendra Miller. That's a good one. Yep. Um, oh, Rashawn Johnson also, you know, yep. his, his situation going to Chicago. That's another one, you know, where he didn't take over the job by any stretch, you know, and 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 his – his situation is 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 really unfortunate because when Khalil Herbert had his ankle injury, Johnson had the concussion and missed all that time as well, which is when Deontay Foreman got the chance to, you know, do it, everything that he was he was doing at the time. So, you know, we I, I would give him kind of an incomplete a little bit. Um, but in terms of uh the, the the ones that were referenced, yeah, they they didn't impact the the starter at all. I remember Dan was certainly banging the drum for um ETN to struggle. He didn't like how he ran in the, in the system that Doug Peterson runs. And I know that was big for him. And, and he's, he's owned up to that one saying that he was wrong. Well, like, he kind of did struggle though. I, I, the other thing well, I, I think, I think Dan, that. sorry, Keith, I think Dan was, was expecting tank Bigsby to take over. Oh, yeah. or Dearness Johnson. He really liked Dearness Johnson. Did he? Um, which Dearness Johnson did eventually take tanks Bigsby's job. So That's I think true. Dan was right about that one. Yep. Um, but I, 
and I don't want to push back too much on like what we've done for the last 50 minutes, but I also think we have to remember like what happens during an NFL season is something happens week three and then something completely different happens week four and then something completely different happens. Like that's the way that football in the NFL works. And that's especially the way that fantasy football works. And so don't be careful, not trying to take too many like lessons that you're definitely going to apply to next year based on what happened in one year of football with based on two or three guys and what they did. I think just, uh, just want to bring up something cause it kind of applies. Uh, cause Heath brought up a great point on one of our shows recently that about some of these running back situations that, um, have failed over the years. So James Robinson, Damian Pierce, uh, and there, I think there's one other guy falls in this category of these late round or kind of out of nowhere guys and mm-hmm. struggling. And Heath brought up the point of coaching change. And so, you know, we're, we're going to hear, can Kyron Williams do it again? Uh, Pacheco last year, can he, you know, do it again? And, and Heath had a great reference of same coach, you know, so, so maybe the consistency matters there. Do you put Stevenson, Ramondre Stevenson in that? Uh, he wasn't a late round pick in the NFL draft, so I don't think he qualifies, but um, I think the fact that the coaching staff is is somewhat similar from you know hiring in house is is not going to impact him. I mean he's he's been he's been a solid running back for the last two years, you know. So I think if the Patriots are looking at their needs, that that should be very low on the priority list. Would Brian Robinson fit that maybe? Again, you was know, his I, third I, round. I think yeah, you know. I I don't, I don't view him as having he he. These are guys with pedigrees, you know. These right. other guys just didn't come into the league with the same amount of expectations. I mean, it, well, I have to disagree with you just on Stevenson, because Stevenson was a fourth-round pick, and I think he was 120th overall. Damian Pierce was 107th. So that's why I put them in the same. Uh, I guess fair. Yeah, and they're both kind of bigger, slower, to be quite honest. I mean, that was I was almost going to say don't draft slow running backs. That's my philosophy. Like like everything else doesn't work out every time. Aaron Williams is one of the slowest guys in the league. Exactly. And and <laughs> I know, exactly. So as Damian Pierce ran a very slow 40, Stevenson is kind of slow for, you know, but it doesn't it it doesn't always work out. You know, it it's hard he to should have been all over Pacheco then. Pacheco Pacheco's weird, man. I don't like he Well he had one of the fastest forties that year. He was I think he was the fastest running back that year, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, I don't care about like the fat. Usually, the fastest guy at the combine is just famous because he was the fastest guy at the combine. <laughs> you know, it's like Anthony Schwartz. Um, but uh, yeah, slow, slow running back. I think anything close to like a four six forty is should be a red flag. But sometimes it works out. All right, that's it uh, for the show. We'll uh, see you on FFT in five very shortly. If you want to hop over there, check out that podcast. It's a good one if you don't have. Uh, you know, if you don't have 65 minutes, you can have five minutes to spare for fantasy football. Thanks a lot for uh, all your contributions, people. Talk to you later.